Hello, hello, I'm Cristina Gonzalez, and this is the Women in Data podcast. Join me every other week to hear data professionals discuss how data is used in various industries, get inspired, and get your fill of tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight into it. That's a, that's a different intro <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Karen. Hey. <laughs> I wonder how many people realized it was not the usual <laughs> intro. It's a, wait, Karen? <laughs> different intro today. It is a pretty full, <laughs> but it's not just that. I feel like today is a special day because... It's the beginning of the celebrations of the anniversary of the podcast. So at the end of the month, it is going to be one year. I cannot believe it's been one year, Christina. Can you believe that? Yes, it's been <laughs> one year. I've been listening to all your episodes every other week. I'm a big fan of yours. So yes, I just can't get enough of your podcast. <laughs> I'm sure you can. <laughs> So special celebrations this month, we are going to have one episode released every week for the whole month of April just to celebrate the podcast. And we're starting today with Sonal Goyal, who is the founder of AFIX and is joining us from India, but also with Christina, who is going to co-host the podcast with me. Hi, ladies. Hi, Karen. Hi, Christina. Hello, it's so nice to have you um, on this episode today. I'm very, very excited about it. Uh, I've been talking to Christina for a while about doing this podcast. She wasn't sure about it, but I basically told her she had no choice. So here she is. Hi, Christina. Hello. Hello. Yeah, that's true. She kind of like obliged me too. <laughs> People are going no, to joking. think I'm mean. <laughs> No, only joking. I'm a, a big fan of Karen. been helping on the background a little. And when she had this opportunity for me, I said, all right, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Christina is going to join me in interviewing Sonal and helping her get her story out there. But Sonal, can I first invite you to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure, uh, Karen. Uh First of all, thank you for having me. It's great to get this opportunity to talk to both you and Christina. Simultaneously, I think it's like a bonus, right? And congratulations on this podcast. It's quite a feat uh, to do this over a year. Many more to you. So I think in terms of my, uh, my background, uh, so I'm doing a startup on uh, master data management. It's an AI-based uh, startup working at the core fundamental data layer. Uh, of uh, medium to large enterprises where there are data silos and you need to have holistic views of uh, core entities like customers and suppliers. So, so we are doing a mix of graph analytics, AI, NLP, distributed systems, and we are very excited to be you know, picking up hard problems and solving them. You said graph analytics, and I had flashbacks from university where I was sat at the in the room thinking, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> so you've been in this space for over twenty years, and then now you're seeing that. So you've got this consultancy in AI. What prompted you to to create your own business and your consultancy? For me, it was more like a natural progression. I was employed at large companies. I worked with in investment banking, I worked 
in uh, the BFSI uh, area quite a bit. I worked in telecom and I also did, uh, you know, uh, general purpose software consulting. And I think the, the first uh, reason for me was that, you know, I wanted to explore deeper meaningful problems. That's one reason which kind of prompted me to go solo and leave the cushion of an employed employment job. And I think second was also because uh, once I had my daughter, I was looking for more flexibility. That coupled with the lure of, uh, you know, solving uh, bigger problems kind of uh, prompted me to go into the data world. How are you supporting your clients with their data needs? So we have a very interesting proposition. Uh, it's, it's actually, we are solving a very age-old problem, which is companies have lots of data systems, but integrating these data systems and building out clean and consistent data, data that you can trust, uh, data that you can trust on core entities like customers, on suppliers, on what supplies you procure, what parts you manufacture, all that is very critical. It is like, I think that the foundation of any analytics, any operations that you want to do. So we are building a product around that, which can actually, you know, uh, build unified views from uh, all these data silos. And that's actually very important. You know, when you have a data set here, data coming from there and using my hands, no one can see me, but hey. <laughs> um, so you have data coming from all over the place. And sometimes to have a great view of what your customers are doing, who your customers are, you need to put all these sources together and it can be very difficult. So I, I can see the, the uses of what you, you're building. But you mentioned something around data mastering. What is that? Data mastering is the foundation over which enterprise data systems actually function. So when you look at typical enterprises, the data is spread based on the department that is working on the data, the product that is being sold, or the services that are that the company is actually providing to its end customers. Now what happens is that if you want to do any analytics, if you want to discover anything about your customers or your suppliers, you need to integrate this data. You need to join the dots. You need to have data which you can trust implicitly. Uh, so it should be unified first across all these systems. Uh, you should be able to trust it and say that if three source systems have three different emails, this is the email that the customer really prefers the communication to go by. So essentially joining all these dots together is what data mastering is about. It is having clean, consistent, and trusted data about the core business entities. Yeah, so it's taking data quality to the next level, but also helping people get a 360 view of who their customers are. Is that correct? Absolutely. It is uh, data mastering, actually, it involves a whole lot of things. It involves data quality, as you mentioned. It involves data unification, where you actually connect records across systems and then it also involves some bit of who has access to what data and uh, what uh, attributes do you really trust this may cause many challenges right what are the main ones you face when you're trying to do an, or help with data mastering from you know very many different source systems having their own formats having their own definitions of who a customer is what attributes do they, uh, you know, uh, associate with a supplier? So just 
the sheer number of source systems, the way the data is represented in those source systems, then integrating them all together to say which attribute do you really trust, integrating them with variations because the customers or the suppliers would not have a unique identifier. So how do you really, you know, match them across and say with all those typos, with abbreviations, with missing fields, uh, with maybe prefixes and salutations, how do you really get them all together and to do it at scale? So those are definitely some of the big challenges uh, that we see every day. It seems like a big task to do. <laughs> it it um, is, yes, definitely. But at the same time, I think if you, you know, look at it from a technical angle, it is more about uh, building the relationships between the data. So establishing the relationships and uh, finding the patterns through which you can really identify what attributes you can actually join them all together. What we are doing is we are applying AI and graph analytics uh, onto that. It is, uh, yes, it is challenging, but yes, of course, the fun is in solving the challenging problems is how I like to believe it. Can you talk uh, uh, maybe a bit about the how now and uh, which technologies do you use? Yeah, sure. So we are essentially a big data stack. We heavily rely on Apache Spark for uh, our computation. We are pretty much cloud agnostic because most of our customers require this to run either on-premise or in a private cloud. So we provide the software as per their needs. We uh, use uh, proprietary machine learning algorithms to join the records and the schemas together. So it's a mix of NLP, graph analytics, AIML, and distributed uh, computing. Sounds very complicated, but very exciting as well. Uh, I would love to hear more about how you end up joining people who have different ideas, but we would be there forever if we do that. Maybe we can take this conversation offline just for my own curiosity. Um, so from what I hear, you have really big problems that you're trying to solve for your clients and they have data all over the place that you're trying to bring together. Are you working with really big data? So I think we're not really working at Facebook scale of data, but the problem that we are solving inherently becomes a big data problem because when you have, let's say, just 10,000 records in one source system and uh, let's say 10,000 records in another system, without a unique identifier, you actually have to join those 10,000 records with those 10,000 records. So the scale immediately explodes. So in that sense, yes, it is big data, but it is not really the petabyte scale uh, image or video kind of data that people associate with big data. In terms of scaling, what challenges do you see there? In our case, uh, the work tends to be both uh, memory intensive as well as compute intensive. We have designed our algorithms in a way that we can distribute the load intelligently. So when we look at the data, we actually try to do a lot of heuristics and we learn the patterns. And based on that, we try to efficiently distribute the load on a cluster. Those are some areas that you know we continue to work on because these problems have to be solved and they also have to be solved to be able to you know give results effectively and within a decent uh, time frame. 
Yeah, that makes me wish we had a data engineer on this call with you because I'm like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I'm trying to picture it really. You mentioned all the technologies you use, and I'm guessing this has to be dealt with by different people or people with a different set of skills. What skills do you need to, to do data mastering, but also work with the kind of projects you're working with? essentially we are tool builders like we are providing a product which is uh, you know doing this data mastering so for us the need is very strong data engineering and uh, machine learning skills earlier you said that your the data you were working with were not as big as facebook and google first of all i don't think anyone has as much data as them well <laughs> there are some people but uh, not that many right but I am curious to know about how you find value in that. So because not everybody has a huge database, but everybody has data and everybody is trying to use data, be more data centric and more data literate. How do you see people finding value in a smaller database? I would say that data, irrespective of the size, has intrinsic value. Data is valuable if it's a smaller company or if it has a smaller set of data. The value is definitely not diminished. I mean, obviously, we can, you know, continue to, uh, the companies can continue to save more and more data at an individual level or at at an organization level. But the value of data would not diminish just by the size of the data. It is, I think, what you are collecting and how well you are analyzing that defines how data-driven you are instead of just the size of sheer size of the data. So I think there's nothing which is stopping the smaller companies from analyzing whatever data they have with even the using something like pandas or uh, a simple Python script or just SQL queries. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, you should only go to big data if your data really needs that kind of infrastructure and processing. I totally agree. And do you have any use cases of when you use smaller data to really drive value? Like we could look at, you know, uh, a person providing maybe uh, coaching classes, let's say, to uh, approximately 100 people and just understanding, you know, what are the payment patterns within that group, which school the students are coming more from, which subjects are they really uh, spending more time on. I think even that kind of analysis is valuable. I mean, this is just data which is maybe on paper or on spreadsheet. And you can go all the way up to companies like Coursera, which are monitoring how much time a person is spending per lecture. So I think it's being data-driven or getting value from data, I would say, is more of a mindset than of the scale. Uh, The scale will vary based on the business that you are. But uh, the approach to data small or big, will completely be determined by, you know, what you want to achieve and how fast you want to grow. Uh, I would like to ask you something. Which tips would you give these companies? So those companies, they are at the beginning of the data journey. So they want to become data-centric, data-driven. And also those companies, they are a little bit forward in that line, a little bit ahead in that line. What would you say to them? What can they do better? Or Or how could they start? I think my advice would be centered about one is valuing their data. One is obviously like you're saving data, but at the same time, understanding what you're saving. 
and you know what value you can derive from it i think that is something that we need to be consciously aware of and to continuously ask right the same data can actually lead you firstly to customer lifetime value then to recommendations then to personalization and customer segmentation but you have to you know start somewhere and the vision definitely has to keep evolving it's a never ending exercise in terms of you know what and how much you can achieve from the data so uh, uh, valuing the data asking the right questions it's also about being sure that this data is an asset to use it effectively uh, you have to continue to ask those right questions in the data and i think that's a journey that companies have to you know take again and again uh, there are results you just can't throw them away you have to uh, look at those results so if it's a dashboard and you build a dashboard but the executives actually don't go and tune their strategy based on the dashboard it's actually going to be meaningless so it has to be i think at the intersection of you know your business intuition and the data driven data centric approach where the true the true magic lies Yes, this is a really strong point because very often you you meet people who are trying to get as much data as possible and then trying to analyze the data without really knowing where they they're going and what they're trying to achieve with that. So I I hear what you're saying about even knowing what data you want to have in your database from the beginning. So asking yourself the question of what and why. and keeping asking that questions is, is a really interesting point so that you are the ceo of a company in a male dominated industry but you on top of that you're also in india where i guess the competition is is quite fierce in terms of technology how do you deal with the competitive market so that's a very interesting question karen definitely there are fewer women than men in the tech industry personally for me the journey has been very rewarding one is that i really like tech i mean i i just like technology i just kind of like picking new things up studying on my own maybe reading technical papers and uh, attending conferences so i think on a personal level i kind of like the space i like the work that i'm doing and it keeps me very motivated secondly i also realize in the tech industry is that although there are fewer uh, women the chances of uh, you know getting noticed also tend to become better for us if we continue to do good work and that is irrespective of whether you are you know um, male or female i think the tech industry definitely looks up to people who pick up newer things who can apply uh, technology to business problems and so far i have not had really very many cases where i felt my gender to be a disadvantage be in terms of investment be in terms of customer acquisition i would say it's it's been a good ride but i i would say not not as a female but just as a technologist that one needs to definitely be you know on your toes to continue to keep learning because it's almost like fashion right technology just keeps changing so fast and you have to keep adapting to it so if you like it i mean it's a great right i would say that you know it's it's it really opens up a lot of doors if you like uh, the tech space yeah it definitely changes really really fast thank you so much for joining us today sonal 
Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Christina. Just awesome talking to you and uh, continue. I, I hope you continue to do all the good work that you are doing. Thank you. And thanks for joining us as well, Christina. Thank you, Karen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. If you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on LinkedIn. You can also register to the community for free by heading to womenindata.co.uk. We would love to hear from you, so don't be shy and drop us some feedback or a review. This will help us enhance the content and bring the guests that you want to hear from. Have a great day.